Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. I'm recording this episode on my voice memos on my phone because I'm moving some stuff around in my house and my desk and my area where I record is covered. So hopefully the audio is fine, but I did promise you all a mailbag episode with some topics and some questions from Kentucky's uh, 108 to 56 victory versus the Dominican Republic national select team in the Bahamas on Wednesday night, an impressive win for Kentucky, uh, con- considered to be some of the tougher competition on the tour was the Dominican Republic national select team. So, and you, and you saw what Kentucky did there. So some of these next games, uh, maybe even a little bit worse than what last night was, but there's a lot to talk about. Ton of questions. A lot of guys played well, six guys reached Double figures, Kentucky went with the starting lineup of Xavier Wheeler, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, Damian Collins, and Oscar Shibway. And that was actually my prediction on yesterday's episode that that would be the starting five in uh, game one in the Bahamas. And a, a lot of that I know I went into yesterday. I thought that that Cal and, and the staff would go with guys and, and give guys a chance and like a, a Jacob Toppin at the three, a Damian Collins at the four. And obviously it worked out. You got to see some other lineups. They mixed and matched at the start of the second half. Uh, a whole lot to talk about. I'm not going to get into the stats. You all know all the numbers. I'm sure you all have read. So let's just jump right into the questions. Probably take about 20 minutes, I'm assuming, here. Uh, Henry, you sent in a, quite a few questions. I'll get to all of them here. Adu really played well tonight. Do you feel he should see some significant minutes down the road? I am very intrigued by Adu Thiero. Like, seriously intrigued by him. A lot of it because of the growth spurt that he's had since he got on campus, since he signed with Kentucky. Uh, I know he's already probably an inch or so taller than what he was when he got on campus. Those long arms, he's a big guard, big-bodied guard. Some of those guards that Cal had in his days at Memphis, some of those days early on at Kentucky, these bigger wings. I think Adu, like I said, I'm very intrigued by him. I don't know exactly what his role will be on this team. I want to see a little bit more of him. I wish that he could have I wish that he were in a position now where he could play 20 minutes I'd like to see him for an extended period of time to see what he could do and I know last night he knocked down a three-pointer I don't even think the ball hit the rim it looked like it went straight through the net and then there was a a play there where he hit a turnaround jumper that didn't count but it, it looked smooth and his instinctiveness in the pack in the passing lanes his defensive ability his long arms all of it that's what makes him so intriguing what I saw last night and I want to see a little more over the next three games and obviously into that exhibition schedule and into the early season schedule in November, I'm I'm to a point to where I don't feel bad if he has to play minutes. And with uh, with Kentucky being so shorthanded when it comes to scholarship players, I mean, really with, with 10, I guess 11 if you count Ugana, but when you look at what happened to him last year when it comes to backcourt depth with injuries – I think it's very important that he is able to play some minutes if needed. And what I saw last night, I, I think he's going to be able to do that in a pinch. And maybe he's a little bit further ahead than, than what we all thought he was. So let's move on to Henry's next question. How comfortable are you with the big lineup we started out with tonight? I know we don't like big lineups as far as shooting, but that one seemed to work. Could it be effective in actual games come December and January? Well, the, the thing with me with, with that lineup is – Jacob Toppin's got to make some outside shots when it gets into the regular season and it gets into SEC play. 
Damian Collins last night showing that pull-up jumper from the four spot, that will play. When you can do things like that, I'm okay with lineups like that for for us for certain stretches. If you want to see it, and obviously it worked uh, a lot last night. But when you get into that regular season, I, I just think it's going to be hard to keep guys like a Case and Wallace and Antonio Reeves off the floor together with playing a Jacob Toppin at the four or a Damian Collins at the four. I'm not sure how much we'll see that lineup when they're at full strength. When Frederick is able to go extended minutes, when Adu is able to play some extended minutes as well. But I, I certainly didn't hate it as much as what I thought I was going to hate it. And a lot of it was because of the versatility that Damian Collins showed at the four and Jacob Toppin uh, doing some things off the bounce. I know he didn't hit a lot of those pull-up shots last night, but they looked good. I want to see him in game two make some of those shots and and do some more things offensively. And uh, Henry, you also followed up and said, where do you see CJ in the rotation? It seemed like he didn't play as much tonight and couldn't really get a rhythm together. I think he's one along with Reeves we need to create shots for. And I know there's a few more questions about CJ Frederick and if I'm concerned with him or anything. No, I'm not concerned because honestly, that was his first live action against someone else that's probably not his teammates since he left Iowa. We didn't get to see CJ last year in the preseason. We didn't get to see CJ at any point in games last year. We we haven't seen any version of CJ Frederick in Kentucky blue and white against another team until last night. And it was the case of he got minutes at the end of the first half and then some minutes there in the second half. But you're talking about a guy who warmed up, was sitting still. It's hard to establish a rhythm, especially when you're an in-rhythm shooter and a guy that depends on the ball going through the basket. And I just felt like that, that last night really wasn't the it wasn't the scenario or the situation for him to really showcase what he can do. I, I think CJ's going to be fine. When it comes down to rotation, I think the biggest thing about this weekend is to just get out of this with CJ Frederick getting his feet wet a little bit and keeping him healthy. And then you go into the remainder of August and then in September and October and you get him up to full speed start increasing the load a little bit throughout the late summer and early fall. And then by the time the exhibition schedule rolls around there in October, November, you have a healthy CJ Frederick who can play significant minutes for you. The thing I I talked about yesterday on Twitter that gets lost about CJ is his ability to take care of the basketball. Only 10 turnovers in his sophomore season at Iowa and 666 minutes played. That is a ridiculously low number for a guy that played that amount of minutes in high major division one power five conference basketball so he values possessions he's going to make the three ball i think cj frederick will be in the rotation i I don't think cj is going to start i actually think that antonio reeves is going to get the nod uh at at that starting position in a large part due to one his ability to to score in at all at all three levels and in different ways and then two this this period here where he's getting this extra run and experience, I think that that's where Reeves is going to get the nod at that spot. But I do think C.J. Frederick will be in that top seven, uh, one of the first guys off the bench, and maybe a plug-and-play starter if you need him, if you have injuries or something else. But I'm not worried about C.J. Frederick at all. And then, Henry, you have another one here. Do you feel – hold on. So here, do you feel Uganas will end up in the rotation this season, or will he be more of a time-up piece or a tune-up piece for next season? I don't expect Kingsley to play this season. I think that that's going to be 
a next year deal. I, I know that on Sources Say, I talked about this a week or two ago, where I think that it's best case scenario is you include him into that 2023 class with Robert Dillingham and Justin Edwards and Reed Shepard and whoever else joins it. I think that that's the big man that even though he's going to be on campus for a full year, he's going to be practicing, he's going to be on the bench, all these things with this year's team, you can actually include him in as a freshman next year with that class of the the talented pieces coming in, the perimeter pieces that they have coming in. I, I don't think that they're going to play him. The only scenario where I see that happening is if they have a an injury to a front court piece, like a, an Oscar Shibway or Lance Ware, uh, and, and I don't even know, maybe not even Lance Ware. Maybe they get away with Damian Collins' length at the five if something happens to Lance for an extended period of time. But if it's if it's a long-term injury to one of those key pieces, that's the only time I think we see Ugana Kingsley. So I'm, I'm of the impression that he will develop, he will hit the weight room, he will practice, he will put himself in position to play if they need him, but best case scenario and most likely scenarios, we probably don't see him till 2023-24. That's that's just what I'm operating under the assumption right now. Uh, next question from Wildcat Blue here: Can Wheeler get to the line more this year? Last year he only took 59 free throws. Compare that to quickly 156, Hagen's 142, Shea 175, Fox 211, Euless 195, Harrison 208, Teague 119. Not 171 and Wall 232. That's a lot of hidden free points we're missing out on with Wheeler at point guard. It's a very good point. And his game, we know that he likes to get into the lane. You would think, being a smaller guard, that there are some times there where he would maybe get the benefit of the whistle if there's some contact. But that hasn't been the case. Uh, Savir, I, I don't know if that's a guy that's going to live at the free throw line a ton. And I think a lot of it is the way that they play him defensively. They they back off of him. They're not up on him, kind of giving him that opportunity to get a ball by the hip of a defender and get into the lane. So if if he could get to the line, let's say 59 free throws a year ago, if that number can get to 100, I would take it. I think that that would be a significant increase. But I don't see it being into those numbers of a quickly, a Hagen's a Shea. But, I mean, even – even Euless had the ball in his hands late in games, and that's a guy you wanted to get fouled, knocking down free throws. These other guards, too, the, the, the same way with uh, a Brandon Knight uh, and, and those and those pieces, Emmanuel Quickly especially. So I would love to see that at least get to 100. I don't see it climbing to a 156, 142, or some of those elite numbers that some of Cal's you know, bigger guards have had. Uh, Euless at 195, honestly, with his size, is, is pretty impressive, too. But I do want to see Savir get to the line and increase that number to at least 100 free throws. Uh, I think that would be a number to shoot for. But I do think Kentucky's going to have other guys that are going to get to the line, like a Case and Wallace and, and some of these other backcourt pieces. Let's see here. Jonathan, will Wheeler be the point guard in January? A couple other dudes looked pretty good. And I know we're getting a lot of questions about Savir Wheeler, and there's another one down here too do you, from Connor. Do you think Savir's inability to shoot is going to be an issue this year, especially with the starting lineup Cal started yesterday? And then Tyler, still slightly worried about Wheeler's turnovers and offense. Do you think he's good enough to lead the team to a title? I think all of those questions are fair. I, I do. Especially the way... Savir struggled down the stretch a year ago. We know the turnovers. We know he didn't have his best game against St. Peter's. Even though there at the end, he was one of the two reasons why they actually had a chance to win along with Oscar. There were some plays that he did make. 
but there are some holes to his game that you have to have covered up, but others have to be doing their thing for him to look good. I thought Savir struggled last night. I know that he had he got injured there in the first half and missed some time, and everybody's thinking, oh, here we go again. Like, how are we going to keep him healthy? I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm concerned, but I want to see him be better in game two, three, and four. Like, this is a guy that should not be struggling at this point in his career. I think the assist numbers should be up. The turnover numbers should be down. I don't want to see him getting himself into positions and in situations where he puts himself in trouble. I, I thought he did that last night in the first half. There was one where he just got way too deep, overpenetrated, ended up making a turnover. Sometimes I feel like he tries to do way too much. And if, and, but if you dial him back, then you don't get the good version of Savir. Uh, so I'm hoping to see him get more comfortable. And maybe it's a, a case of where he, he plays a little bit more with a case in Wallace. He plays a little bit more with an Antonio Reeves. C.J. Frederick, there are some pieces that, that Savir, like we, we talk about all these guys coming back and the, the chemistry that a Jacob Toppin and Oscar Shibway and these guys have. But as a point guard, that chemistry is not, it, it's a little bit harder to get in a rhythm until unless you've played with some of these guys for a bit. And, and I think that maybe that's something you're seeing. Hopefully you see him more comfortable tonight. But I do think that he has to be significantly better. Will he be the point guard in January? I, I believe so. But at the same time, I'm not going to rule it out. Like if Casey Wallace comes in and does his thing and he shows the ability to, to consistently run the one, he can he can guard his position, he can get assist, he can score the basketball, it wouldn't shock me if at points in games, I do think Wheeler would be the point guard, but it wouldn't shock me if Casey Wallace is their closer with the ball in his hands late in games. goes back to that free throw question that we just got asked a minute ago. If Wheeler can get to the line and shoot a good percentage from the free throw line, then I think that that helps him even more be able to play in crunch time minutes. But those turnovers cannot be a problem this year. You cannot afford to give away possessions. They're too valuable. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Trey asks, okay, I'll ask it. Why not Platoon? Team Blue, Wheeler, Reeves, Toppin, Collins, Shibway. Team White, Wallace, Frederick, uh, Thierro, Livingston, and Ware. I had somebody talk to me about this yesterday that he's been a big fan of platooning ever since 2015. He's like, look, if you got all these guys, you're going to have to play them. Uh, Lonnie sent in a, a DM last night too. said, how is John Calipari going to keep all these guys happy? What you saw last night, a lot of these guys deserve to play and whatever that role will be, some of them will have lesser roles than others. We know that that's the, the normal thing with a college basketball roster or any sport for that matter. Uh, but specifically at Kentucky, guys will have lesser roles. But 
I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not entirely against it. If if those ten guys deserve to play and they look like they did last night, then sure, let's 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 look at it and see. And and you're I, I do think that early on, you're going to see Cal kind of be able to go into that at least eight men, nine possibly, in a rotation. It's just does Thierro when it gets to November, is this a thing like last night where it was just kind of in the moment, was it just a, was it a fluke? I mean, that's that's the thing. It's one game. We haven't got to see these guys very much. I want to see what they look like the rest of this trip, and then I want to see what they look like into the fall. And that's the benefit of the Bahamas. That's the benefit for John Calipari sitting at a distance and watching this. He's obviously going to have tape to watch, but he's not having to worry about making decisions in-game coaching. He's evaluating and seeing this, and I think that that may be, maybe it's something. He did say he wouldn't platoon. I know that that's been a discussion and a topic over the years, but if guys deserve to play, he's going to have to find the way to play them. But the thing that I'll come back to about the platoon, Oscar Shibway is one of the most dominant players to play in college basketball, especially on the glass and the way that he affects the game. Now, we didn't get to see that last night. Yes, his points were there, but if that's a regular season game, Oscar Shibway is going to find three or four more rebounds to get that double-double. We know that. If you platoon, you're taking that off the floor at that spot, and I don't know if that's the best thing for long-term Kentucky wanting to win a national championship or get to a Final Four. I think there are going to be guys on this roster that you want on the floor for 28, 32, 30, 31 minutes. He is definitely one of those guys. I think by the time we get into December, I think Cason Wallace is going to be one of those guys. They've got some pieces there that I think you're going to want to see 30, 30, 31, 32 minutes out of them, maybe 33. And if you platoon, then that kind of takes it away. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing a platoon early in the game. You got five, and then you run another quick five out there, try to get some fresh legs on the floor, keeping some guys rested, manage foul trouble a little bit better. But once you get to that middle part of the game, going in the second half, I want the best of the best on the court, especially in close games. Uh, in league play. But I think it's a great topic, great question. Uh, Brian, next game will tell me what kind of player Toppin will be this year. Though he played well, Collins outshowed him last, showed him tonight. What kind of fight does he have? He took the back seat last year with Brooks. Same this year, question mark. I think Toppin has a ton of fight in him. And, you know, Damian obviously was the topic last night. It wasn't just the, the dunks. It was the blocks. It was the, the pull-up jumpers. I think a lot of that too is we had honestly we have no we had no idea about Damian Collins. We didn't get to see a lot of him last year. The Alabama game, it was free throws and dunks. We didn't get to see the showcase of the pull-up jumper. We didn't get to see the the dunks along the baseline dunking on people. We didn't get to see uh the other areas of his game that have improved and and things like that. So I think obviously naturally Damien was a huge piece to last night, and he was certainly the topic of conversation. I've, I've written about him. Everybody else has written about him. But when it comes down to Jacob Toppin, I want to see, like you, what Jacob Toppin does the rest of the way. Played 20 minutes last night, eight points, two of five field goals, four fourth of free throw line, had four rebounds and assists, and two blocks and three steals. So he did make an impact. I just think that what Damien did in those 23 minutes – most impressively, the blocks, the dunks, I mean, the impressive dunks, and then those those two dribble pull-ups that he had. I mean, that at his size 
and freakish athleticism. It's just incredible to see a guy with his frame doing things like that, and that certainly stands out. But I'm with you. I, I want to see Jacob Toppin take over and earn a significant role on this team and not take a back seat to anyone, and that's what you want. If Damien's there, you want to see Jacob now uh, lift his game to another level, and that's really, really good, and that's when I think Kentucky's going to be a great team. Uh, Ian, I know it's been one game, but after seeing him in live game action, what role do you think Adu has on this team, and what does his potential look like in future seasons? So back to Adu for a minute. Very, I keep using the word word intrigued, and it's very intriguing. When you look at how big he is in person, and there's still room to grow, like I could see him adding more to that frame. He's a bigger guard. To me, the best way for him to get playing time on this team is to be an unbelievable on-ball defender, but maybe an even better off-ball defender. Like how often are you guarding the basketball, or do you spend more time guarding off the ball? And with him last night, you saw some of the instincts he has in the passing lanes, those long arms, got a couple of steals, got breakaway dunks. That is what role I view him playing. If he gets minutes as a true freshman, it will be because of his ability to defend and still play on the offensive end. He doesn't have to hit a ton of shots, but he has to be able to defend and value possessions, not turn the ball over. And last night, what I saw from him on the defensive end Absolutely. I, I think that, that you could see him play his way into a role. Now, potential down the road in future seasons, can, John Calipari m- may have found a diamond in the rough when it came when it comes to a Thiero. And the thing about that situation, I remember when we recorded Sources Say, me and Jack recorded Sources Say back in April when Adu got the offer. And then we were kind of confused on if it was a committable offer if it was an offer to help him get other offers, if it was just a, a, a family friend type offer since his father played for Cal at Memphis. But when we found out that it was a committable scholarship offer, in my opinion, John Calipari doesn't hand out favors as far as scholarships. We know that. Now, walk-ons, yes. People, families that he knows, people that he's built relationships with their parents in the past, he will do things like that. Those kids will come be a part of the program because they want to be future coaches or something along those lines. Adu Thiero is on scholarship. John Calipari is not going to hand away a scholarship unless a kid can play. That was sign and tell number one for me that Adu Thiero has long-term potential in this program, and you saw it last night. So I think the future is bright for him. I really do. Basketball Benny, I'm loving the lineup opportunities and combinations, lots of flexibility and options. And that's a big takeaway, is when you're talking about this big lineup, they can play three guards together. They could play a Jacob Toppin, Chris Chris Livingston together, three, four. Uh, We saw the big lineup with Damian Collins at the four, Oscar at the five, Toppin at the three. That could be Livingston at the three. There are tons of options with this team. And it resembles one of those better John Calipari teams where they have a lot of length. A lot of athleticism. They have big guards. They can just bulldoze their way to the rim and get in the paint. I really like the combinations and the lineup opportunities that John Calipari has with this team and the versatility across multiple positions. I know I talked yesterday that I expected the defense to kind of take a back seat in the Bahamas because they hadn't really been together. I think their length and athleticism kind of covers up some areas when they're not in position to make plays defensively. Like if they're not in great position and help, 
their athleticism and length can get to the rim. Jacob Toppin, Damian Collins. I mean, these guys are so long. It's just, it's incredible. I think this has potential to be an elite defensive team, but an also very, very capable offensive team that can hit shots, can score on you in transition, and can kill you on the offensive glass. Like, I, I think that this team has a, a lot of potential to be very, very good. Uh, which leads to the next question from Jay. How much will everyone overreact over the Bahamas game? Significantly, Jay. I think I'm overreacting right now, probably. I think we all are. And then uh, King Solomon there. Are we going 40-0 and or 40-0? and How about 44-0 if they win all four games in the Bahamas? No, I, I do think that there's going to be some overreaction. I think that that's normal especially when it comes to this. I think everyone, honestly, is excited when it comes to Kentucky basketball being on the screen, uh, and uh, I'm excited about it. Like it, I thought it was a lot of fun last night to to sit back in August and watch that. You get it again tonight. You get two more games this weekend. Enjoy it, and then football season right around the corner, but it's always a good time to be talking about Kentucky basketball, and I believe this is the last question I have here. It's from Carter. Is Livingston better at the three or four at the college level? That's a great question, and one, Carter, that I'm going to have to see a little bit more of his game at the college level before I can kind of justify my reasoning for which way I'm going to lean on three or four. He obviously hit the three ball last night. That is intriguing to me at the three, and it's also intriguing at the four. I want to see some more of his game before I make a surefire call. I know all spring I talked about he needs to be the four, small ball four, but what he did last night, and you saw some of the passes and things that he can make, to me, I think it's one of those things where he has the ability and the versatility like we were just talking about where he can slide and play some three, play some four, and it really doesn't matter. You just get him on the floor any way you can and let him do some of the same things that he would do at the three even if he's playing the four. If he's going to be a guy that gets downhill and he's elite in transition with that body and that size, let him do it at the four as well. The biggest thing I like about him is he can grab a board and lead the break. So uh, I, I want to see a little bit more of him before I pigeonhole him into one of the two, but I think that's the worst thing that could happen is we say, okay, he's a three or he's a four. Just let him be an, a face-up basketball player, a perimeter guy that can get by his man, consistently make a three-point jumper, and can also just bully his way to the basket. That would be the the way that I would like to see uh, him play. I think that is all the questions. Uh, Derek and I are planning to do a recap episode talking about everything. Hopefully that comes your way today. If it doesn't, we will definitely be back to recap the second game in the in the Bahamas. Hopefully you all enjoyed this mailbag episode. I'll throw up another one after game two. I'll record mailbags after all four of these games. We'll dive into some questions. I'm sure we'll be talking about some uh, some different topics and some different things after game two. But as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub with three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. <laughs>